small handful of our kids, but Lord, I pray that you please bless them over there. Thank you for their faithfulness. Lord, I pray, please, this morning that you'd anoint us. Lord, I, I, as I was preparing this, I thought, Lord, it's going to be a lower crowd today. But, Father, at the same time, I felt this is the message that you put on my heart. So this must be the time. This must be the people that it's for. So, Holy Spirit of God, guide me. I yield myself to thee. I need your presence and your power, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. The, um, this is, a, to me, a, an amazing passage of Scripture. It deals with so many things and so many familiar parts of the Scripture. Um, before I get into it, I, I will remind you, you know, if you are joining us on this 21-day uh, 20 20 corporate fast for our church here in January to start 28, uh, 2018, uh, anything that you might want to do, there's a, a list out, out back uh, of tips about fasting. You don't have to fast for 21 days. You, you can fast for a day. You can fast for a meal. You can fast from any particular item. You know, maybe you fast from all meats. You know, maybe you fast from all desserts. I don't know. Uh, I always uh, remember Brother Cummings as uh, uh, when he said he was fasting and and he came up to Joe Beth, he said, he said, I'm fasting. And Joe Beth was surprised that he would fast at all. And uh, he said, yeah, I'm fasting. He said, I'm fasting from, from eating between meals. And so, and, uh, and the truth was, that was a pretty big fast for him, I think. And so, uh, uh, <clears throat> but if you're joining us, uh, uh, just any, anything at all, uh, pray for the church, pray for God to, to do what we're going to preach about today. In this amazing passage of Scripture, though, I'm going to go through just some points, kind of lay out kind of where we are, things that we did not read. Lazarus has been brought back from the dead, and pretty much everybody knows about it. I mean, he's there, and he's present, and, and everybody knows he died. And so uh, now, and he wasn't in the grave for three minutes. I mean, he, you know, or died and then revived. I mean, he was there in a grave, and to the point they said, you know, you know, Lord, you know, when, when Jesus come to heal him, or heal him to re- resurrect him, says, you know, Lord, he stinks. You know, he stinketh. He's he's been there long enough. He's his body's decaying, and so, uh, uh, but he's he's alive now, and everybody knows it. Number two, uh, Lazarus is, is presently at this moment when we're starting to read is sitting at a meal with Jesus, and the people are coming to see. Now, they're coming to see Jesus, but they're also coming to see the spectacle. They're coming to see this man that arose from the grave. And yeah, it, it, it's important for them to see Jesus who did it, you know, who, who, who called him forth. But, but they want to see this man that, that came forth from the grave. Uh, and, and it's understandable because, uh, honestly, and we're talking about a man who was dead and now lives again. And, and truthfully, from that point to, to this point, uh, that's the really the, would be the desire of everybody that stands beside a loved one that's on their way to heaven. Uh, that somehow, through their, whatever is taking them, whatever cancer, whatever issue, whatever heart disease, whatever accident, uh, we, we would, you know, somehow we would say, God, let this be the one since, since Lazarus that's going to come forth of the grave that, that uh, is going to rise. So, and, and just to tell you, they will rise again. If they're saved, they're going to rise again. And so, uh, but it, it would be, you know, our dream, our prayer that, that 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 would happen. 
Number three, just as prophesied, Jesus comes riding on a, a, a colt of an, of an ass that, that, that is termed into Jerusalem as, uh, to the praise of the people. And so Jesus comes riding in, just like the, the Bible has prophesied. He comes riding in, and, and the palms, and, the, and everybody's praising him. And, and uh, not only that, they're, they're glorifying him as king, but also the Gentiles, some Gentiles are coming to, to see him. Uh, and now they're coming to see him, uh, as the scripture reads to me, they're coming to see him uh, a little bit because of all the recognition he's getting, but also because of Lazarus. They, they want to see Lazarus, and they want to see Jesus, and, and, but it's a, a group of Gentiles that is coming. Now, that's kind of a, a little foundation, and that leads us kind of to our text. We begin at the, where we started reading, is really the response Jesus had to when they, the apostles came to him and said, these Gentiles want to see you. And the very next statement is a little bit unique. It's, uh, it's not, well, okay, or I can't. But, it, but in a sense, it is. He, in a sense, Jesus says, sorry, time's run out. Uh, he says, he, he looks at John, look at John chapter 12, uh, verse 23. He says, and Jesus answered them saying, the hour is come that the son of man should be glorified. So they come and tell him, these people, these Gentiles want to see you. And Jesus says, the hour is here. It's time for me uh, to be glorified. It's time for me uh, to be crucified is what he's saying. Then, then, he, then he begins to teach them, though, uh, at that point, he says, no, can't do that. Uh, it's, it's time now. The hours come that the Son of Man should be glorified. And, and at that moment now, he's going to begin to teach them what's really important. And what he say, just so you understand, what's, what he's saying is, is it's not all about Lazarus being raised from good. It's not about the fact that one man, through the power of God, through Jesus Christ, was raised from the dead. He said, that's not what it's all about. It's, we got all this chaos going on and all these people and thrill seekers and want to see everything he's saying but that's not what it's about what it's really about he begins to teach it's about the death one death his death for all mankind he's saying okay look look get your attention here fellas the hour is here now now let me teach you what's going on really he says it's about every man not only is it about jesus dying for all mankind he says about it's about every man dying to self so that they may live for God and live for others. So he said, we got to get focused on why this is all taking place. So he says it in an illustration that everybody there will understand because everybody, you know, it's kind of like, uh, uh, you know, our country and probably in the 30s and 40s. I know one time my, my, my uh, Dr. Evans at the college, he he one time, he was kind of calm the kids. He said, you know, kids, you know, if we have a great depression like we did before, you know, if there's a crash of the economy, he said, we made it through then. You know, we found food. You know, we did. We made it through then. We'll make it through again. And, and the first thought I had was, uh, Doc, back then in the 30s, about everybody, you know, had a garden. Everybody knew how to grow something. Uh, I said, you know, I'm thinking, God bless you, but right now our, our nation is clueless. I mean, if there's not a supermarket to go to, we're done. 
It's like that one fellow that, that, uh, that I heard, and I've probably told you this before, but I, but I heard him, and he was just railing because they were going to do this, this thing for farmers and give some subsidies for farmers, and it was on the radio, and he called in. He was all angry that you'd be giving these farmers any kind of subsidies or any kind of help. He, he said, I don't care about them. He said, I, you know, he said, if I want groceries, I just go to the store. And I'm thinking, okay, knucklehead, where do you think they get the groceries? But... Uh, but, the, you know, the, the fact is, he, Jesus comes and he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. They understood this. They understood you go, you know, I remember growing up, and, and, and you know, I, I wish I paid better attention, but, but you, know, I know, you know, some of those little mounds, we put two or three seeds, and you didn't put any more of that. Some of them you might put four or five. Some of them you only put one, you know. And, and so, but he said, you know, if a corn of wheat, now that corn of wheat means a kernel, a, a seed, you know, a kernel of wheat falling on the ground to die, it, it abideth alone. You know, it, it's there all alone. You can put one seed in there, and it's all alone. But when it comes forth, it springs forth, it's going to bring a whole lot more. It's going to bring a whole lot more. And so, and he says, he that loveth his life shall you, you lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. Where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. There's a lot in that. We're not going to go real deep into that, but this is a great picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. When a corn, kernel of wheat, a, a, a corn of wheat, this, this seed, a kernel of wheat, is saying, in the terminology, it's one. And so that's a direct correlation to Jesus, one. One is going to die for the sins of all. And, and I believe when it says fall into the ground and die, you know, we think, you know, that Jesus was just talking about him being buried, but he, he didn't die in the tomb. So here's what I, I really believe it means. He... Jesus came down, when it says fall into the ground and die, Jesus came down and became the flesh of man. Now watch this. Flesh is dust. It's dirt. He became the dirt that we are. He comes down to, the flesh, uh, to, to be the flesh of man, and man was made of the dust of the ground. This piece of human flesh now that he took upon him must die. Jesus was planted in the earth, but in so doing, he brought forth much fruit. The challenge is to us to follow his example if we, if we are to bring forth much fruit. And so, and again, we're going to get toward the end of this, and, and we'll, you know, probably get done, you know, get done a little bit early because we get started a little bit early, but hold on because all this is a little foundational. I'm trying to get to a real point at the end of this that to me is very exciting, so it takes me a little bit to try to get to it. But at this point, it seems that the whole thought process of Jesus changes. Now, he goes through, and he's going to tell them, here's what's really important. It's about my death, not about Lazarus' death. It's about, it's about me, uh, me dying for the sins of mankind, that many might be saved uh, from that. And, and so he goes to that. And then the whole thought processes seem to change in Jesus. The, 
I believe the reality of the human flesh is revealed in the emotions and feelings that come through Jesus right now. These are not sins. These are just, uh, okay, Hebrews 4.15 says, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. See, he was sensing and feeling everything we would sense and feel if we were going through this thing, but at all points tempted like we are yet without sin. So the difference is Jesus doesn't sin, but he has some emotions that are coming up, and he's showing us that he senses and feels all that we would feel. And here's what he says. Jesus' soul now in, in torment pours out. Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? You know, he's, he's saying, look, I know how it feels. I'm trying to let you know that I understand when you're going through these crises of life. He says, I know what happens. You cry and say, Lord, my soul is troubled. But he's going to answer. He says, but what shall I say? And watch what he says. Now, Father, save me from this hour. No, Jesus says no. But for this cause came unto this hour. Father, glorify thy name. He's teaching us immediately. Look, you are going to go through things, and I understand the emotions that you'll have. I understand that the heartache that you'll have. I understand that, that there are times when you're going to look and say, God, my soul is overwhelmed. I'm in torment. God, help me. And he's saying here, or watch it now. He's saying, now here's what you answer. Here's what you need to say. Not deliver me from it. Understand that sometimes God brought us to it. And he brought us to it to go through it. Okay? We see the battle of every Christian in, in this kind of microcosm right here that, in these verses. It, so many times we face situations and circumstances. Listen, we hate them. We fear them. We disdain them. We disapprove of them. We disagree with them. But for whatever reason, they're in our path. They're in the steps that God has ordered for us. Folks, all of us face them. We face them and, and we look at it and, we, and, and you know, the, why? Now is my soul trouble. You know, when you get that phone call, you know, our, our phone rang early, early in the morning hours and and just a couple of nights ago, and as soon as it did, I jumped up, and, and I'll be honest with you, I thought, which one? Who is it? And, you know, when you get it, and you're, the first thing, your soul is troubled. And you want to say, God, deliver me. We were... At the hospital uh, the other morning, I don't know, 5.30 in the morning or something, I told Mike, I said, you know, I just don't know which way to pray. I just don't know which way to pray. Because God takes us through things for his glory. And we've got to go through some things, but always remember, Father, look what Jesus said. Father, glorify thy name. 
We may plead, God, my heart is trouble, and we desire and plead maybe, and even actually plead, save me from this hour. But, but the ultimate response, spiritual response is, but for this cause came I unto this hour. Father, glorify thy name. And listen, here's what's so wonderful. When we get that, when we respond that way to Jesus, when we respond that way to the Father, Father, glorify the name. I believe that we can get a similar response to Jesus, God. Then came there a voice from heaven saying, have both glorified it and will glorify it again. You know, if whatever you're going through, if you will glorify the Father, this sounds terrible, but he's going to give you another chance to glorify him again. Because he's seen in you that you will glorify him. When we truly say, not my will, but thine be done, then we are glorifying the Father. The next three verses are important, but not the primary point, point of this message. And believe it or not, we're not even really to the message yet. So hold on. 29 30 and 31, the people, therefore, that stood by heard it and said that it thundered. Another said, an angel spake to him. Jesus answered and said, the voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. And, of course, there's a lot of teaching in there. But Jesus is just saying, saying to him, look, I don't have to have an audible voice. I, you know, I, I, Jesus had, this, had faith in the Father and knew what the Father was doing. And so he didn't have to have it. But, you know, some, sometimes we just need to have that. And he said, for you, so that you'd understand. And he said, and then he goes into verse 31, something almost a thought changed, but now uh, is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And so uh, Jesus is going to be crucified and Satan thinks he's won, but Jesus is going to win. You know, he may, Satan may bruise Jesus' heel, but, but Jesus has bruised his head. But now get to verse 32. Here's our message. All of that. For verse 32, and, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Now, I want you to, you know, I love, listen, I love walking and talking to the Lord. But I, you know what I love? I love, I love when he's, he brings a verse to my mind. And then when I get home, he just kind of, unfolds it. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? It's just like he just starts going, oh, let me show you. I was walking, I don't know, four or five nights ago, and I was walking and praying, and, and, and th- this verse came to, to, to my heart and my mind, and I don't know if I'd heard it someplace or what, but it came to my heart and my mind. And, and I got home, and I began to, to see it, and, and Hold on now, this, this is, to me is so good. Now, probably whenever I feel that way, everybody else just looks at me like. So, but hold on now. So many times I've heard this, this verse preached and taught that we are to lift up the name of Jesus. We are to preach Jesus. And this, of course, is wonderful. And, and, is, and if it's not true in a church, then it's not really a church. And we need to preach the name of Jesus, and we need to lift up Jesus, and we need to lift up Jesus as the Word of God. We need to lift Him up. But I don't believe this is the primary meaning that God gave me through this passage. 
You see, we preach that, that okay, in this church, you know, that we'll draw men to us if we, if we preach and lift up the name of Jesus. That's a great truth. Every church should be preaching and lifting up the name of Jesus. But the, the direct application of this verse, Jesus is not talking about us lifting up his name. He's talking about he's going to the cross. And it says in verse 33, then, then he said, signifying what death he would die. He's going to be lifted up on the cross between heaven and earth on that cross. He's going to die there, shed his blood and die. And so he's telling us that direct uh, point there, that, and he clarifies it. Now, verse 33 explains verse 32 and lets us know that it's talking about the cross. But, but the entire passage explains what Christ's desire is for us. And so we have to take all this in context. Listen to this. There would be no Christianity if Jesus had not been lifted up upon the cross. That was prophesied Jesus had to be nailed to that cross. There would be no Christianity if Jesus was not a corn of wheat that fell into the ground and died so that many could be saved. There would be no Christianity if Jesus had not shed his blood, died on a cross, buried, and risen again so that we could have eternal life. There would be no, there would be no Christianity. But there would be no Christianity if we, the Christians, do not apply the teachings to our lives. Now listen to this. There's no Christianity that's going to continue and permeate. And here's what he's telling them, that, that this is not just about Lazarus. This is not even just about the fact that I'm going to die for all the sins of mankind. He says it's about the fact that you've got to carry this. Now listen, Mark chapter 10, verse 21, 22, said, Jesus beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come take up that take up the cross and follow me and he was sad at this at that saying and went away grieved for he had great possessions look what it's saying now take up the cross and follow me hopefully i'm gonna tie this all together jesus bore his cross we are to die daily for christ we are to take up the cross in our lives. Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 31 says, I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die daily. Jesus gave himself to be crucified, and daily we are to resubmit ourselves to the death of the cross with him. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I lived, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So many preach that if I preach Jesus, lift up his name, people will come. But the truth is much deeper and greater. If a crucified preacher and a crucified people take up our cross and live by the faith of the Son of God, that is what God's asking for us. He's asking he said many will come if they follow after me crucified 
If we, the people of, of Calvary, live in the community and at home and at church as Christ would live, if we die to ourselves, our desires, our opinions, our preferences to the faith of Jesus, then much fruit will be drawn unto us. It's not that I get out and say, Jesus is the Son of God. Listen, don't you, if a church doesn't do that, it's not a church. If I, it's not just I say it's about Jesus on the cross. Jesus said, listen, yes, I'm going to a cross, but you must take up that cross. And here's what we have to understand. I think would stimulate this, and, and man, I hope the fellow never hears this because he's a really good man, a really kind man. But he was talking to me about need of a pastor, and he said, the one we had previously, he said, you know, he was a voice. And he said, when, you, when you're a voice, like John the Baptist was a voice, he said, you know, man, the crowds come. And he said, you know, and he listed a, a couple other people that were a voice. And I want you to know, it hit me. And I understood what he was saying. I understood that the man that was preaching, uh, without a doubt, walked with God. And the man that was preaching had power of God in his preaching. But it's not my voice. It's not my power, my dynamics. You see, even when you go back to text about the voice where they get... John the Baptist was a voice crying in the wilderness, but it wasn't the voice, it was what he was crying. Right. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. We will not be the draw. You see, no man draws men regardless of what he says. You say, Brother Hooker, Jesus is not here to draw them. That's why they must see a crucified Jesus in me. As I, as I said to, to the young man that got ready to preach on New Year's Eve, you won't get nervous if you're not there. You see, you preach the truth of the Word of God, but you let God speak through you. If you're not there, you can't be nervous about what people think about you because it's not you anyway. We will not be the draw. When we are the image of Jesus, all who come are drawn not to us, but to Him. So much responsibility. As I, as I read this and I studied this, I realized so much responsibility lies right here. It lies upon me. It lies upon simply all leadership. To understand that if we do draw men unto us, we have failed. If the people see crucified leadership, crucified members, then they see Jesus, then all men will be drawn unto us. You see, Jesus said that they'll be drawn unto me, 
But he was leaving and he said, here's how they continue to be drawn unto me when they see little Jesuses everywhere. And they only do that when you take up your cross and follow him. If the people see crucified leadership, crucified members, then they see Jesus. And all men will be drawn. The results of men are not lasting, but the results of Jesus Christ are everlasting. The churches of Memphis, when I left here many, many years ago, I used to tell people and teach them, and sometimes they would want to come down here and start a church in this area, whatever. And I, and I would tell them, I would say, now, you have to understand, you're in, a, in a, a Southern Baptist, you know, a stronghold. And I said, and here's how I've watched them grow and die, those Southern Baptist churches all of these years. They grow by whoever suddenly has a dynamic preacher in a dynamic program, and they'll have a flood of transfer of membership, and these four or five little smaller churches over here will decline and diminish while this one explodes. By transferring, but watch this. You know why? Then then they they would run over here and run over here and run over here because they were looking and being drawn to man and man's methods. But Jesus said, if I be lifted up, if he goes to the cross, he'll draw all men unto us. And watch this, he says to us, we must take up our cross daily. What in the world does that mean? We got to get rid of our stinking pride daily. We got to get rid of our self-will daily. We got to get rid of what we want daily. We got to, to, to look away at, at all the things, the, having it the way we want it and doing it the way we want it and saying, Dear God, what do you want through me? I yield myself, my soul, my mind, my heart to you. And you know why it's daily? Because we don't make it through a day that we don't start crawling off that cross. Years and years ago, and and sadly I probably got away from it, but my preacher taught a lot about the fact that seven times a day he would yield to the Holy Spirit. Seven times during his waking hours. And as I grew a little bit spiritually, what I realized was, I don't know how he made it for about two and a half hours without needing to yield before that. See, Jesus didn't come. He could have come down. Everybody heard? He could have come down, but he didn't. See, the difference is, we do. We come down. And if God convicted my heart, if 2018 is a year where people would come to Calvary, be drawn to Calvary, forgive me, but just show up on a cold winter's day 
because we were nearby. But I'd like to believe maybe something else drew her. If that's going to be the church that we are, forgive me, but it'll not be because of the preaching. I know you're all saying amen. It'll be because people see Jesus at Calvary. They see Jesus in me. One who chose to stay on the cross. One who chose to give his life for others. You see, I'm not the only one that lives in this community. All of us do. What do our neighbors see? What does our family see? The question that comes, have you been crucified today? Do you desire to know him? To be yielded to him? To fulfill his purpose? And I believe all that he went through this passage, read through it again. I believe all that he's doing in this passage. In the early part we read, we go back to it. He, he tells them to serve him, to follow him. You know what he's doing? He's about to tell them that he's going to be lifted up on the cross. And when he is, that's going to be the opportunity for the entire human race to come to salvation. But he's teaching them, you're the ones that are going to remain. You're the ones that are going to stay. And if I'm going to continue to be lifted up, it's up to you. If they're going to continue to see me lifted up, it's got to be because they see something different in you. And folks, I don't know if there's so much today about whether, you know, the, the, the organization of the services and how they should be. And so many people believe, you know, you the service is this way and the original church was this way and that way. I don't think anybody really knows and I'm not sure that's really the answer anyway. The answer is, is when, we, when we walk out the door of our home, while we're in our home, every step we take, are we coming into this building crucified? Now, that crucifixion doesn't say we're going to be walking in. Oh, Or, but it is a oh, happy day because we get to live a crucified, live a crucified life for him. Again, and when God does it in my heart, I feel, it always feels, 
I come so short of delivering it. But I realize if man in this old wicked world are going to be drawn, they must be drawn to Jesus. And they must see Jesus in us. And he gave us in that passage a way to do that. Father, I pray that you bless us more. And Lord Jesus, thank you for the faithfulness of God's people. Thank you for them coming in the cold and the weather and so much sickness right now. Dear God, I pray that we really are coming to the backside of this flu season and people begin to get better. This, this one seems to have been an especially hard one. Lord, I pray that you bless our people. And dear God, this morning that we, as a church, would bow our knee and bow our heads to you and, and not cry out, Father, save me from this hour. But cry out, Lord, for this cause I came to this hour. Glorify thy name. Use me, fill me, mold me, make me your vessel. Let me choose this morning to be crucified with Jesus. If there's anyone here that you're not saved, you've don't know for sure you're going to heaven, please let somebody take the word of God and show you when we have our invitation. If there's anyone here that you might want to join our church, we offer that opportunity if you've been saved and baptized scripturally. But most of all, we we're talking to this morning is each and every one of us that we let our lives be broken. And it starts as we go through life day by day and we face the trials of life saying, not my will, but thine be done. For this cause came I to this hour. Father, glorify thy name. Please help us, Lord. Holy Spirit, please speak to hearts in ways I could not verbally do. Help us to be more like thee. Life for Saul to stand, heads bowed and eyes closed. And if, if you have any need this morning at all, or would you come and just say, Father, glorify your name in me. Fill me with your presence. Crucify me today, O oh God. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And I live by the faith of the Son of God. Would be yielded to Christ today.
If you're this morning with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you have any special need or, well, let me just ask if you have any concern about your 